Good afternoon and welcome to the program, The Jim Leach Show on News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. It is good to be here with you and good to uh, get the conversation underway with Congressman Darren LaHood joining us right out of the gate this afternoon uh, to get a chance to react to last night's State of the Union address, President Trump delivering his first official State of the Union speech. But Congressman, before we do that, I know a lot of people have been wondering today, so I just want to get the word directly from you that you were nowhere near that very unfortunate accident involving an Amtrak train that had a number of your congressional colleagues on it today. That is correct, Jim. Uh, I was not on the train. I I did not participate in going to the retreat. My seventh grader is playing in the sectional finals in Peoria tonight for basketball. And so I headed back to Illinois today. And was um, when that uh, unfortunate train accident occurred. I was on a flight back to Illinois. Well, you've got your priorities straight, uh, and that's uh, that's good news, and we're glad that uh, you're okay and glad your colleagues are okay as well. Let's jump right into talking about the State of the Union last night. Give us your your quick reaction to what you heard from President Trump last evening. I thought the president gave a very strong speech, a very patriotic speech. Um, you know, it uh, talked about, you know, the last year and some of the accomplishments, particularly with the economy, but also look forward to 2018, the challenges we face. But I thought his tone uh, delivered the speech very well. I thought um, recognizing uh, in the balcony the police officer and the firefighter and the victims of crime and the other individuals, the the North Korean uh, defector, I thought those were uh, very moving parts of the speech. But there was a lot of detail. It was a long speech, Jim. It went an hour and a half, um, and uh, but got into a lot, a lot of subject matter. When we look at particularly the economy, um, you know, we've had a decade of sluggish growth, really stagnant paychecks over the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, he talked about the country being back on track. And there's really a lot of optimism when it comes to the economy finally gaining momentum. And I think a lot of that has to do with the the once-in-a-lifetime tax reform uh, that we put in place. But the numbers don't lie. 2.4 million jobs since he took office, 200,000 of those in manufacturing, Private sector wages are rising, and we have all-time uh, unemployment. So I think uh, those were important to talk about, but there is no doubt we have to work in a bipartisan way moving forward on some of these core issues. And I think he struck a, a, a good tone when it comes to working in a bipartisan way on these issues. Well, let's talk about those economic numbers. Uh, the job creation numbers were solid, but actually in his first year, slightly lower than the average during the Obama years. GDP, was, it lagged behind several of the Obama years. It was ahead of several other years. Uh, you talked about wages, and yes, wages did rise, but they've been rising fairly steadily for the last number of years as well. So uh, the, an economy that, that a lot of Republicans said was was horrible and stagnant under President Obama hasn't changed all that much, but now it, it seems like it's it's being presented in a, in a much more positive light. And I guess my question to you is, does President Obama deserve any of the credit for what we've seen in the first year of the Trump administration? Well, I, I think the numbers speak for themselves, and, and I'll stand by what I said for, for what we've had in the last year. But remember, when, when President Obama took over, uh, we had about eight uh, trillion dollars in debt. When he left, we were at twenty trillion. Now, full disclosure, we had a financial meltdown. We had two wars, but it went up to you know twenty trillion dollars. Um, and you know there was a lot uh, that happened during that administration. But the bottom line is, um, I, I think uh, President Trump putting a focus on reasonable regulations, bringing tax relief to middle class and lower middle class folks, and focusing on jobs. Um, as it relates to small and medium-sized businesses, 
I think that uh, plays out in the numbers. And remember, the growth rate under the Obama administration uh, for any one year was never over 1.5 to 1.8 percent. And and last, you know, the last two quarters of last year, we were at three percent and two point six. And the projection for 18 is to be close to three percent, if not four percent. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But I detected in our district, Jim, I think all around people think that the economy is on the way back. Some of that has to do with the end of Obama. But there is no doubt tax reform and regulatory relief are a big part of it. But in terms of the, the, the deficit that you talked about, uh, tax reform, most estimates are it will add to that deficit. The president also rolled out an infrastructure plan last night of $1.5 trillion, and we didn't hear a lot of detail as to how we're going to pay for that. So are, are we just going to continue to add to that deficit under President Trump? Well, when you get to 3 or 4% growth, what happens is more people are paying taxes and more money is coming into the Treasury to pay down that debt. There's no doubt, Jim, it's, we have to do things on a parallel track. Congress has to control spending and, and make sure that uh, we're bringing down the debt. But the last time we had 3 or 4% growth was when President Clinton was in office, Newt Gingrich was speaker. We had a growth rate at 4%. If you look at 1998, 99, 2000, when we had a growth rate at 4%, we brought our debt to zero. When President Clinton left, the debt was at zero because we had 4% growth. So I think it's a combination of things, getting the economy going again, Uh, but also controlling spending. You mentioned infrastructure, Jim. I agree with you. We need more details. Uh, $1.5 trillion is a lot of money for infrastructure. Now, I'm a strong proponent that we we should work in a bipartisan way to get good infrastructure. Roads and bridges need it. Travel anywhere in Springfield or central Illinois, and you'll see our roads are in bad shape. More money for our locks and dams on the Illinois and Mississippi River. More money for our rail system. I'm all for that. But we got to figure out how we're going to pay for that. You know, the president earlier in the last year talked about possibly raising the gas tax, finding a user fee. You know, that's going to have to be something we look at. People would have a lot more faith, I think, if they knew it was going to go to a lockbox or is going specifically to transportation or they knew it was going to go to a road or bridge in their area. So we have to think about from a public policy standpoint how we roll this out and giving confidence to folks, taxpayers, that if we're going to take more of their money, it's going to the to a good cause. And that's uh, construct, construction, roads and bridges, and infrastructure. Talking with Congressman Darren LaHood about the State of the Union address last night, let's dive into probably the hottest of hot-button issues that came up last night, and that's immigration. The president again reiterating that he would like to pursue a path to citizenship for the DREAMers, those 800,000 or so uh, young people under DACA, uh, and that's pretty controversial for, for the, the farther right portion of his base. Uh, can you get behind that, a path to citizenship? for the dreamers well the first observation i would make jim is first of all no one thought the president would come up with a plan so when he put out a plan uh over the weekend i think people were shocked but it's a pretty bold plan right and the way i look at it so so what does it do it lets in 1.8 million dreamers and daca folks into this country and 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 then what uh, and then adds 25 billion dollars for border security so what, the way I look at it, you got uh, the fringes on both sides upset. You referenced it. The far left, uh, I'm sorry, the far right is upset, but so is the far left. Uh, they think it goes too far. So I think it's a good starting point when you got the kind of the, the, the polar ends of your party upset about it, that it's a good place to start. And I think there's a lot of like-minded people in the middle uh, that could support something like this. So I give him credit for putting it out there. I think uh, the chief of staff, John Kelly, former Homeland Security uh, Secretary, I think he had a lot to do with that. 
So I think it gives us, again, the framework to move forward. Along with that, we got to have reforms when it comes to chain migration, which has had some problems, the visa lottery system. And the president mentioned it last night, uh, Jim, going to a more skills-based, a merit-based system when it comes to immigration. That's what almost every other industrialized country does. We, our country right now, il- or legal immigrants that come to this country, legal, we only, about 8% are skills-based. Uh, Canada, by way of comparison, about 80% is skills-based. England, it's about 70%. France, it's about 60%. So I think there's going to be broad support to find a bipartisan um, agreement on those core issues. Uh, the president, though, in talking about chain migration last night, said that it was, in effect, unlimited with no regard to, uh, to, to education or work or the safety of the American people. And that's really not true. There are limits and there are background checks and requirements that have to be met. So d- does framing it like that, uh, a lot of people are very now suspicious of, of how the president's approaching this and they're afraid he's going to start moving the goalposts on this. It's one thing to have a plan, but can he get it across the goal line? Well, we're going to have to wait and see. I, I, I agree with you. We have a lot of those safeguards that you just mentioned in that system. Uh, does that mean we can't make them a little stronger, Jim? I think when you have incidents like we had in the fall in New York City, right, when, you know, those two incidents that arguably involved chain migration, you know, those are the type of things that raise the, the level of anxiety with, with people in our society. But Figuring out how you reform them, how you make them better, how you put more checks in, we should be looking at that in any form of government. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a way to reform the program, uh, but but not throw out uh, the baby with the bathwater. That uh, whole discussion about the, uh, the the MS-13 gang members and the and the young uh, girls that were killed in New York uh, seemed to rub a lot of people the wrong way because it seemed to be uh, suggesting this link between immigration and crime, when in fact most studies will say that uh, far more crimes are committed by native-born Americans than by immigrants, either legal or illegal. Uh, I, I mean, are we painting a false picture of what's really at stake here in this immigration debate? Well, I I didn't take that as an immigration issue. I look at that as an MS-13 issue. Uh, This is a gang that's ravaging certain parts of this country. Uh, It's a gang that uh, seems to uh, have have no end in sight. They continue to grow. Uh, And I think what the president was saying is we have to put a... (laughs) We have to put more resources and attention when it comes to MS-13, and they seem to be becoming more and more emboldened. I mean, we, we've dealt with gangs in the past, and, and what it takes is, you know, law enforcement being engaged, more resources. I think that's more of the approach the way I looked at it from a public policy standpoint. We need to be focused on kind of the, you know, the danger that they pose to many of our areas around the country. But he linked it, as did you, to chain migration and suggested there was a connection there. Well, I, I, listen, there was definitely a connection to the to the terrorist attacks in New York um, that happened related to chain migration. Uh, you know, in terms, I don't know the exact details for the Long Island incident, which is the where these two uh, young girls lost their tragic life on that. So I, I, I don't know the specifics on that particular incident. Okay. Uh, something that didn't come up in the speech last night, but a lot of people think is a pretty big deal, is Russian interference in our elections. And we know there's the ongoing investigation into all of that. Uh, but we've heard from uh, uh, Director Pompeo of the CIA and others in the intelligence community that not only did this happen, but it's continuing to happen. That Russia is still looking for ways to make inroads into our democracy. Should the president have addressed that last night? 
Well, I think he, I mean, if you look at it, he's independently addressed that. I mean, he's put a, a number of Russian oligarchs, uh, submitted them to the Treasury Department. There'll be severe sanctions uh, on them. Well, uh, but, is, but the president said he wasn't, wasn't going to impose additional sanctions on Russia. They announced this week that despite the, the overwhelming uh, vote in Congress to put more sanctions on Russia, the White House said this week they weren't going to because they thought just the law itself was a deterrent for Russia. Is, is that a, an adequate response? Well, but but separate from that, Jim, they, they submitted names. I mean, Putin just came out yesterday and was complaining uh, about what the U.S. was doing to this list of oligarchs that do a lot of business in the United States. Uh, to, to your broader point, though, on the rush, remember, uh, there are there's an investigation going on in the Senate uh, um, Intelligence Committee, Republican and Democrat. If you talk to the chairman of that, uh, Richard Burr, or the ranking member, Senator Warner, they both said, Let's let this investigation come to its conclusion. Let the facts and evidence come out before we judge anything. Same thing in the House. That's going on with Adam Schiff and Devin Nunes. And obviously Mueller has his investigation. So let's get to the bottom of that, find out what occurred, when that occurred. And and then we can come up with ideas on how we stop Russian meddling. Um, So because those are ongoing and there's a lot of attention and resources that I don't think it was inappropriate not to discuss that last night. And Congressman, last question, because I know you've got a lot to get to, but since you opened the door to it, I want to ask about the Devin Nunes memo. Uh, You have seen the memo, I take it? I have. I read the memo. Uh, The FBI today coming out pretty pointedly saying uh, that they have grave concerns about releasing this. They think it could jeopardize uh, their efforts to gather intelligence and information. They say that this memo paints an incomplete picture. It doesn't give the full story. The same complaint the Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee have put forward. Should that memo be released? And, And how can we be sure it does paint an accurate picture as opposed to a picture that's intended to uh, perhaps help the White House uh, counteract this special counsel investigation? Well, first of all, as a former state and federal prosecutor, there's no better uh, federal law enforcement agency uh, than than the FBI. I have great respect for the FBI and the men and women that work there every single day. We have the best in the world. Um, And and so when they raise concerns like this, I'm going to pay attention to that. Now, I've read the memo. Uh, it's, it's, It's relatively short. Um, and, and I'm going to listen to the FBI and DOJ and what they say, Department of Justice, on this. I know uh, the chief of staff, John Kelly, uh, has raised some concerns on this, but we have a process. We're going through the process right now, um, and I want to make sure I don't serve on the Intelligence Committee, so I haven't been privy to all these hearings, but if there's anything that can jeopardize national security, that can jeopardize um, investigations that are ongoing, if it is determined that some of the information on here was cherry-picked, then I think that needs to be fully vetted. Uh, but what I read in there causes me concern, uh, causes a lot of other people looked at a lot of concern that proper channels were not followed, things were not done the right way, uh, and, and there may be constitutional violations in there. So let's see how the process plays out uh, and see how um, – and, and there's, I would also say, Jim, there's a chance that this could be scrubbed back and it won't uh, be released in the form it's in right now. Let's make sure the proper channels and the proper vetting happens. And just so I'm clear, you saw the memo, but you have not seen the classified intelligence upon it, which it's based, correct? Correct. All right. Congressman Darren LaHood, thank you so much uh, for your input here, and I hope your son has a fantastic game tonight, and uh, uh, we really appreciate your time here on the show this afternoon. Always good to be with you, Jim. Thanks.